Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Before we begin, we want to take a moment to invite you to our live-streamed Historic Homes Tour this Thursday, May 21st, at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We will be looking at the primitive farmhouse that Mother Seton first lived upon arriving in Emmitsburg. You can find it on Facebook. Now here's Father Ted. We do not have to be afraid. Unfortunately, however, fear is something which is all around us. You know, sometimes there are silly fears, like fear of spiders or fear of the dark. But oftentimes we have these powerful, gripping fears that can almost paralyze us. We've got fears of all sorts. We've got fears of being lonely. We have fears of the future. We have fears of failure. We have fear of suffering. We have fear of sickness. We have fear of coronavirus. We have fear of death. So many different kinds of fears that can afflict us. And everybody recognizes this. Everybody knows that there's fear in the world. And so they offer different solutions. The world that does not know Christ offers the solution of getting rid of all that stuff that could cause you fear. Getting rid of suffering of every sort. So they say, become powerful. That way you never have to do anything you don't want to do. Get money. That way you... You lack for nothing. You can have any sort of anything that you want. Get pleasure. That way, you're not going to have to suffer. Get popular so that you'll never be alone. These are the remedies to fear that are proposed by the world. So if you get these things, you're not going to be afraid anymore. But if you can't get them, you're out of luck. But this is not the solution that Christ proposes. Jesus Christ never promised a life without suffering. In fact, he promised the exact opposite to his followers. He told them that the world will hate you and will persecute you, in fact. He promised a cross to his followers. And he told his followers to live out the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes can perhaps sound nice, but when you look at just the first half of them, they're very scary. You know, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who are chaste, blessed are you when you are persecuted. Jesus Christ did not promise to remove suffering from this world. It's an inevitable reality that we all have to confront. And that's something that came up in today's second reading from St. Peter. In that second reading, St. Peter says, When you are maligned and defamed. Notice he does not say, if you are maligned and defamed. He says, when, because there's some inevitability there. People are not always going to speak nicely about us. And he also says, it is better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Notice again, both the people who do good and the people who do evil are going to suffer. The world is like Calvary, where you're either going to be like the innocent Christ upon the cross and suffering, or you're going to be like the guilty thieves upon the cross and suffering. Finally, he reminds us that our Lord saved us through suffering. So, the world's solution to fear is invalid. It doesn't work because you can't get rid of suffering. You can't get rid of these things that, would, that we would fear. So suffering is inevitable, but fear is not inevitable. 
again and again our Lord tells us do not be afraid and he does not command us to do the impossible. He says you will have trouble in the world but take courage because I have overcome the world. After the resurrection it was like an antiphon, a refrain of his. Again and again, whenever he appeared to people, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. In the Gospel of St. Luke, he tells us, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your body either. He tells us, do not be afraid of he who can kill the body, but rather be afraid of he who can kill the soul. The divine teaching about In fact, it's a divine command. He orders us, do not be afraid. This is something especially pertinent in our current situation where the world is undergoing a pandemic. The coronavirus lockdown is going on. And there is, as a result of this pandemic, an unprecedented amount of paranoia throughout the world. And what is particularly concerning is to see that kind of gripping fear in the hearts of so many believers as well. Yes, coronavirus is something harmful, and yes, it will actually take the lives of some people, a small percentage of those who actually catch it. So we should be prudent, and we should be taking measures in order to prevent it from spreading. But we always need to be at peace, serene. We cannot be afraid as we are taking these precautions. For a Christian to be without fear, even in the midst of great suffering, even in the midst of this global pandemic, we need to do two things. We need to first of all realize that suffering is inevitable, and second of all, we need to realize, we need to look at death as a believer. So no matter what we do in life, we're going to have risks, we're going to have dangers, we're going to have troubles. So we need to be prudent about the way we live. And one of the ways we do that now is by these different social distancing and sanitation practices. But it's simply not healthy nor possible to avoid all risk. We cannot stop living so that we might live. Because living means more than just having a pulse. It's not as if, okay, you have vital signs are active, therefore you're living. There's more to living than that. Living means thriving. Living means interaction with others. Living means cultural enrichment. Work is a part of life as well. Contributing to a common endeavor is part of life. For Catholics, we need in our lives to worship together. We need the Holy Mass. We need the sacraments. These are part of life. And so I'm not advocating here that we just throw all the safety measures out the window and say, well, God will look after us and we need not be afraid, so let's just act as if it, you know, the coronavirus didn't exist. No, that's not what I'm saying. But we have to be careful to not make the cure worse than the disease because we run that risk. And yes, the lives of those who are susceptible to and already affected by coronavirus matter. They're very important. We have to look after them. We have to protect them. But so do the lives of all those people who are suffering poverty and hunger because of the measures to curtail coronavirus. Also important are the lives of all those people who are struggling to provide for their families. 
And so too do the spiritual lives matter of all those people who are dying of hunger or are famished for spiritual nourishment. Let's remember, we have to be realistic. Even if tomorrow we find a cure for coronavirus, a vaccine, whatever, and it goes away, there's going to be so many other, or there, there will continue to be so many other bacteria, toxins, allergens, viruses in our world. Accepting that and recognizing that God is, through, is with us throughout it all is a source of great peace. You know, the presence of God in the midst of the, this dangerous world we live in, in one way, is manifested through these nearly miraculous immune systems that we have that, on a regular basis, overcome these diseases, these infections that we're exposed to. But sooner or later, no matter what we do, these, this immune system will fail and we will die. That is a hard truth that we have to accept. But the sooner we accept it, the sooner we will stop living in fear. People will continue to die of many things. Yes, coronavirus among them. Some people who catch it will die. That's a fact. And they will continue to die of heart disease, of cancer, of automobile accidents. Each of us is going to die in a time and a place that we don't determine. There's one thing that everybody who has lived on the face of the earth has in common. You, at the end of the day, you're going to have six feet above your head a piece of granite with a beginning date and an end date on it. Mother Seton recognized this. She said, as to sickness and death itself, we know that they're the common attendants of human life, common in the sense of universal, like everybody is attended or has with them death and sickness. And she goes on. They are our certain portion at one period or another, certain in the sense of guarantee, like we're going to get this. We're going to get sick and we're going to die at one point or another. Now that accepting that fact or talking about how we need to accept the inevitability of suffering and death, it could seem a little bit pessimistic. It could seem a little bit morbid. After all, we're in the Easter season. Let's talk about happier things. But that's only if we look at these things with the eyes of the secular world. But we are believers and we have the eyes of faith and we need to use those to consider these realities. We have to remember that Jesus Christ with his passion and death has conquered death. Like St. Paul sang in his letter to the Corinthians, death has been swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your sting? Death, where is thy victory? Thanks be to God who has given us the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's what Christ did. He converted death from this inevitable evil into a gateway to heaven. And that's how St. Elizabeth Ann Seton saw. She saw death as a transition to something better. She described death as going home and also quitting the gift of this life for the sake of the giver or in exchange for the giver. So this life is good. This life is a blessing. But when I die, I'm just simply giving up this gift for the sake of being with the one who gave me this gift. And St. Paul had the same mentality. He said, it is better for me to go. It is better for me to die and be with Christ. To me, death is gain. Because the grave is not the end of the road, our existence does not end with death. Death is, in fact, a birth to a new life. 
For the faithful followers of Christ, it is the greatest day of our lives. There is this big old book that the church puts out, which has every single saint in the history of the church that we know of, that has been recognized as a saint. And when it talks about the day these people died, the day the saint died, they don't use the word date of death. They say their birthday, their birthday into eternal life. So yes, we should grieve over the death of every human being, just like, La just like Christ mourned, grieved over the death of Lazarus. It's natural for us to have that fear of death in the dying process. But it is supernatural for us to conquer that fear of dying. And Christ, by his death, has given us the strength to do just that. The letter to the Hebrews has this beautiful verse. It says, By his death, Christ destroyed him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and freed those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. That's the lot of people who do not have faith. They are enslaved by the fear of death. But we who have faith, we are not slaves. We are freed in Christ. And one of the things we're freed from is the fear of death, which all their lives other people are held in bondage to. So long as we live as friends of God and keep his commandments, death has no power over us. On a practical note, something to perhaps keep in mind during these days is to simply avoid consuming so much of the media because whether they know it or not, whether they want to do it or not, the media is one of the primary contributors, contributors to paranoia during these times. And so if we spend 10 times more of our day watching the media and reading about how horrible coronavirus is, 10 times more of our days doing that rather than in contact with God, in prayer, in spiritual reading with the scriptures, we're going to be looking at death and coronavirus just like everybody else. And then we're going to become slaves to the fear just as, it, just as so many people are. So let us ask the grace of Our Lady, who so many times we've, told, we've asked her, pray for us at the hour of our death. Let us ask her for that grace to courageously confront our fear of death so that we might live like followers of Christ, freed from that paranoia of the inevitable death and suffering that will come, but which comes to only be a gateway to that existence in eternity with him.